Slash Dupe episode 6. Hello and welcome to Slash Dupe, the movie pitching podcast with a twist. Everybody gets the same title, some time to prepare, and then brings their idea to the table. One of us hasn't had the title in advance though, and that is our dupe today, Ryan. How are you feeling? Uh, hey Sean, I'm doing good. Ryan Scott, your favourite dupe whose ideas aren't on a loop. I imagine this is going to be That's a, getting a worse. running theme. <laughs> they are worse. We need to stop this now. There's only been two and they've got worse. Well, we'll put it out. If the public don't want it to happen anymore... I'll, I'll pr- we'll they don't. Out. I'm going to just tell you now. Can I represent the public? I don't. Okay. <laughs> yeah, thanks. <laughs> Johnny Aww. has spoken. So our other two guests today have been given the title in advance. Dan, how are you doing? Hi, I'm really well, thank you. Really well. Good. Are you excited about today? This one's a good one. Um, I am excited about this one. Good. Any more or less it, prepared than, than last time? I am, as always, both... Pre- I am Schrodinger's readiness. <laughs> Schrodinger's readiness. That we need on a T-shirt. <laughs> and uh, our guest today is Johnny. Johnny, how do you feel about the title today? How are you doing? Hello, I'm good. Thank you. Um, I, I feel good. Mm-hmm. Yes, I think this title gate was... Uh, I, I know you're a classy show, so let me jump right in by saying it gave me... Uh, creative constipation for a long mm-hmm. time and then just suddenly <laughs> like a medical procedure <laughs> just dropped out of you absolutely <laughs> yeah thanks Johnny looking forward to that um, and I'm Sean your peerless moderator who'll be picking a winner at the end of the episode but if you want to know why I'm picking a winner and what happens to them you'll have to stick around to the halfway point to find out uh, so without further ado our title today is Songbirds of Jupiter Ooh. Songbirds of Jupiter so, Dan, uh, would you like to give us your idea for the title Songbirds of Jupiter? I would absolutely love to give you my idea. Um, it is a Bollywood movie, and in fact, mm-hmm. a series of Bollywood movies. Okay. Uh, and they are touted as the Bollywood Harry Potter Percy Jackson movies, but okay. for grown-ups. Okay. Um, because Bollywood. And it's based on the idea of um, the Bayangoma, which are um, from Bengali folklore. They're prophetic birds capable of imparting knowledge of the future to those they deem worthy. Um, and wow. they could either speak directly to the person or, in most stories, they sang as a bird and the people that heard it received a vision of their fate. And um, so they're, and it's loosely based on... so the. The Bollywood idea is that all of these people are eventually going to be based on Roman stroke and Hindi gods mm. or the sons and daughters of those gods. That's the Percy Jackson bit. Um, and I don't know if any of you have seen Bahubali, the beginning, or Bahubali 2. And if you haven't, no, you not. are missing out. <laughs> like, I, I can't tell you how, how much you, you are missing out. How describe it to us? What, what are we missing it out? It is Lord of the Rings Bollywood style. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's that's um, amazing. It is it's epic. Honestly, I I want to ruin it because I want to tell you how amazing the film is. At one point, mm. a bunch of shut soldiers um, are infiltrating a massive castle, and they bend palm trees down, all stand on them, and the palm <laughs> trees fire them into the air, and in midair they create a turtle shell with their shields. And they land inside the castle and burst out mm-hmm. um, and start. Uh, that's the minimum of the amazingness yeah. <laughs> yeah. of Bahubali. 
Um, so it's kind of got that epic Troy epic feel, you know, that sort of uh, Odysseus and the, the Odyssey, the Iliad mm, kind mm. of that epicness, but Bollywood. Mm. Um, so it starts off with uh, an elderly woman, as most Bollywood movies do. Um, and she is looking after a bird and a young man enters her uh, domicile and asks to borrow the bird. And she says no. And he kills her and takes the bird in front of her adopted son. Oh, and hey. the adopted son stands up and vows to avenge her death. And of course, the big bad looks at the screen. <laughs> and obviously um beats the child to the ground with a backhand nothing more and um and then leaves and uh this, this songbird helps the the baddie um predict the future see his fate so he ends up becoming the ruler of the whole land um and the songbird he the songbird only gives fate to those it deems worthy or if it's if it's somehow trying to create a worthy outcome so it tells him, much like the witches in Macbeth, tells him that only a god can defeat him. So he feels safe. But it turns out, it turns out that that adopted boy that he slapped to the ground happens to be, and the boy doesn't know, the son of a god. Mm. Oh, twist. And <laughs> so cue epic team building, love and hijinks and dancing. That's my pitch. For Love it. Songbirds of Jupiter. Now, of course, you're normally quite prepared, so I imagine you've got a few musical numbers for us. I mean, can, I uh... have, and unfortunately, I've already um, put them in a music library, and you have to pay me for them. So, <laughs> uh... yeah. but yeah. most of it will start with, <laughs> and that's it, and that's, that's when you'll know that was beautiful. Is yeah, that the eight thanks. seconds of royalty free that we get? Yeah, and that's then... it. Yeah, and you know it's going to be genius from that. <laughs> So, I mean, in um, traditional Bollywood, as far as I know, because I did a, uh, a terrible film school course on it, um, oh, and I watched totally. Legan, which was which is brilliant. The course was mm -hmm. terrible. The, the film's brilliant. Um, Legan is about um, uh, cricket and, and about a cricket team and, and how they sort mm -hmm. of fight the English on their own sort of terms. Um, yeah. And it's brilliant. But I know that in a lot of Bollywood films, uh, my, with my limited knowledge, that the singing and the dancing is often a replacement for something. So when there's a moment of heightened tension, when the mm -hmm. lovers are about to, you know, they want to tear each other's clothes off, but they can't yeah. because of, you know, this is not a film for, you know, it's not a, a porno film. They have <laughs> yeah. to, they have to express it through song and dance. That's right. It's not so too what... dissimilar to musicals, really, in that any time... Mm the emotional state gets beyond and we are talking it's epic in the first place but that's when the the, the dancing tends to come in mm. in that it's expressing their internal um turmoil externally so is he going to have a love interest then because i believe I, and I well, know, again bollywood needs to have a good love it, interest it does need to have a, and what i really enjoyed about bahubali was that his love interest was also an extraordinary warrior and so she held her own. I mean, because it's Bollywood, she wasn't quite as good as him. And, it, and well, she's like well known for being an amazing archer. But of course, in the middle of the heat of war, he manages to do better than she does at archery. Because, yeah, you know, of course. 
um, Bollywood. But but she held her own and she was like a fearsome sort of guerrilla fighter. And I like the idea that maybe that bleeds in or maybe she's the the daughter of another god. So uh, that's why I see this being sort of a and maybe Definitely he be- doesn't kill. He doesn't. He doesn't kill the baddie at the end, but she does. Although I don't know how much we can turn around Bollywood, too much Bollywood um, sort of uh, genre. Mm, mm. Um, but yeah, so th- there's a whole bunch of demigods that he eventually meets, um, or quarter gods, because really he has to be the biggest god of them all, doesn't he? The most god-blooded than everyone mm. else. I so think she'd definitely uh, be like the daughter of Shiva or like, or the daughter yeah, of Rama. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. the, grand, you... the granddaughter of Shiva, or the great granddaughter yeah. of Shiva, something. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So would they accomplish their goal at the end of this film? Or, or, and then no, the so, sequel is. Oh, it's, it I think it's a six, seven film, okay. like, seri- like, they had this planned at the beginning. So Bahubali, again, like, the end of, at the end of the first film just doesn't really end. Mm. And you're like, what? Oh, okay. And the beginning of number two has a whole nother backstory that goes back before <laughs> film one and then comes yeah. back again to bring and you I think it's just beautiful. It's just epic mm. because you you're on some kind of amazing trip. Um, mm. But it is amazing. So that is definitely my touchstone is uh, Bahubali. And because you haven't watched it, it's give, I'm excited for you this weekend because <laughs> it's going to be what you want to watch. There's Honestly, no tonight the watch list. Crack out yeah, a curry. From top to the top. Watch Bahubali. It's on. It's on Netflix. Um, Crack out a curry. And do you, do the do the lights lights bulbs. Do the lights. And do pat the, the dog. Pat the crack dog. Crack some pepper. Yeah. <laughs> and in, we can say this. Obviously, we can make these. Jokes. We're allowed. <laughs> we are all of us today. Actually, this is maybe the first episode we've ever done where we're all part Asian. We're all part Indian. Is that? Uh, I know. Dan with all very English Johnny names. A, a funny look, but. No, um, I, know, no, I, I can guarantee you he is uh, no, I know I am. Sure I've had more Indian times. than I am, actually. Um, <laughs> but yes. Allegedly. Allegedly, <laughs> yeah, who knows. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think that it's, I'm, I, it's the first Bollywood pitch we've had. So yep. I, I'm extraordinarily happy about that. Um, and I do genuinely think like Bollywood films are, I've only seen a handful of them, like, really genuinely only a handful. And I feel really guilty that like that plus I think Spanish cinema is a huge, both of the, the mm. huge areas of cinema that I, ha- I don't focus on, I haven't focused on it at all. But this could be the opportunity to bring, I mean, if you made um, Songbirds of Jupiter, if it, if it took uh, the notion of uh, gods and and this sort of, I mean, they, they make these these epics all the time, and they love them in in the Western world. So if you if you took that and you and you, it could be one of the early ones to be adopted into to the cross sort over. Of I think mainstream, right? Yeah, Songbirds of Jupiter is definitely the um, English translation, um, right. and 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 I wonder whether this is a Bollywood film where they dub over in English. Um, right. That doesn't happen as often. Um, in, in the epics, they 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 mm. have to do them in so many languages in the first place, and they actually end up having different actors voice them in different languages. Mm. Obviously, um, mm. but some of the people that voice over are as famous as yes. the people that are actually playing the parts, and that's quite um, extraordinary. Yeah, yeah, I've heard that. So we'd need to get the Brad Pitts and the uh, you know all that sort of the equivalents of them. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I was just going to ask Dan, what role is Scarlett Johansson playing? <laughs> <laughs> any of them, absolutely any of them, obviously. Name a, so name a, a god. She's she'll do. She, it. She's there. 
She's so, there. Like I, I remember seeing this. It's called this film called Charchi Four Twenty. I think it was called, <laughs> which was the Indian version of Mrs. Doubtfire. Right. right. What? Oh, was... I did not. I did not expect <laughs> yeah. that when you said four twenty. <laughs> I was like, so, yeah, Whoa. exactly. But so this is a whole weekend of Bollywood watching, yeah. right? Bahubali, yeah. both of them, yeah. and Charchi four twenty. It is controversially because Mrs. Doubtfire, great film in itself, right? Mm-hmm. I think I enjoyed Charchi four twenty more. Wow. Because okay. at one point he, the the dad stroke auntie auntie of course he's yes. on a motorbike and jumps over a bridge like ramps up over a bridge <laughs> yeah. oceans and elephants in the background i i yeah. you not it is everything that moment i i think i must watch it when i was about 11 or 12 um mm. oh no maybe i didn't i think it's later than that i must have watched it in my 20 early 20s but i can still remember mm. that one shot mm. Um, so a little and bit there's of a nothing in Mrs. Doubtfire that can even come close to that, is there? No. Robin Williams dressed up as a woman does not come close to. If that he was moment. on a motorbike jumping off of like <laughs> the Empire State Building with elephants in the background, then maybe. Yeah, yeah. Then it's a close one. Mm-hmm. I mean, in, in in New York, surely it would have to have uh, like King Kong in the background or something. That's right. Mm. Have the same effects. Mm. Yeah. I even like the idea that maybe there's a remake of this. Would they do a remake of this in the Western world? Would they take? Would they? Because they do that all oh, the so time. They, they remake. I think. I think. Yeah. I think maybe it. The remake gets happened of the first film, and it's mm. it fails miserably. Yeah. Fails miserably, and then someone like one of the critics says, says "Well, th- why did they even bother making this remake? It was perfect." perfect mm. by the way the way it was in bollywood and that mm. encourages the bollywood from this one this one sort of review it encourages the bollywood producers to pay for the in, for the english dub but they use the actors that were in the remake as the voices ah, in the original yeah, yeah. and it and it smashes it yeah. absolutely smashes yeah. and it starts a new um a new harry potter percy jackson level of yeah yeah Either. And I also and I'm not going to lie, I want to watch it. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. I'm so <laughs> it's so universal, isn't it? And like, who mm. doesn't love a bit of energy, a bit of music, a bit of romance, a bit of grandiosity, you know? Yeah. And I remember um, when, uh, before Asian cinema had really sort of took off here, um, you had proponents of it like Tarantino, who would, it would say, presented by Quentin Tarantino, and he would release yeah. these films that a lot of other territories wouldn't get, and it obviously influenced a lot of his work, and he would release them, and he would be, you know, him and through his companies would sort of push mm-hmm. them. So sort of like that, a critic or a filmmaker says, no, hold on a minute, these are the films you need to watch, and they're yeah. better than anything that Hollywood is producing, you know, they're sort of, they're more earthen, they're more sort of, uh, there's more energy, there's, you know, and, and people are bored of, of all of the sort of tropes. I think they're bored yeah. anyway of a lot of the tropes of, of blockbuster films these days, you know, and the sort of homogenized nature of it. So something from another territory um, could be yeah. the thing to enliven it. Yeah, yeah. And maybe, maybe maybe it is that. Maybe it's Tarantino says, like, comes out in an interview and says, why did they even bother remaking this? The original was the best. Do you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get it over. And he does it. Yeah. He brings it over, yeah. or not? Maybe not Tarantino. Someone, someone just steps up and says, yeah. "I don't know why we've done this in Hollywood. Why, why did we do this to them?" So, Dan, um, have you got a cast in mind? Well, I haven't got a full cast in mind um, mm. because my 
I have a limited knowledge of Bollywood actors to mm. my um my sadness. But there were there were definitely a few people that I uh, so Anishka Shetty, I think her name is, who was she was like the mum in um in Bahubali. And mm. she's just got she's great. She's absolutely amazing. And mm. I feel like she was underplayed in no she wasn't underplayed in that she was absolutely amazing in it but it's like she i wouldn't want her to be the 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 woman that dies at the beginning unless mm. in some amazing of course it's bollywood she comes back she is reincarnated um as herself so one of the amazing things in bahubali is that at one point the guy who was playing bahubali the main guy mm-hmm. he we go back in time to see their parents arguing but they don't change the actor the guy that plays Bahubali's dad <laughs> is played by the same guy and it's just cracking because you're like, yeah. what is going on here? Oh, they didn't want to sort of, yeah, like age him differently or something. He wanted to no, still well, no, they like got, the star they got this was, guy or... called Prabhas, Prabhas, and he is, I mean, it's a masterclass in Bollywood, mm. right? Mm. And I would want him in this, but I think he's probably a little too old for my uh, main character. But he could be one of the swaggering, like, um, like a Hercules kind of version like he comes and helps um and you know now that i've said hercules now i kind of want to put a little bit of hip-hop in um like bollywood (laughs) bollywood rap that goes in on that um so i think i'd probably want him and and rana rana uh, dagubati i think his name again he was the Mm. baddie he was the and and his jawline is just extraordinary so i think i'd probably want him back (laughs) as the baddie again because he was like he was um he was horrible, and but mm. perfectly horrible. He was so sexy that you loved him being horrible. <laughs> you know I mean? that, is, that was great. They, Bollywood does that spectacularly, doesn't they? Don't they? They, they, they do. Sexy they do. Villain. Yeah, they've got it. And um, Tamana was also in um, in this. She was the what we we called her the Ghost Ninja when we watched it because she was the one that was the amazing archer or whatever. Mm. Um, but she brought such a grace and a strength to the part that mm. I, I I mean it sounds like I'm basically recasting from Bahubali but I kind of am because it was <laughs> it's exactly the kind of film that I want made do you know what I mean yeah, yes I want to yeah. I want to capture that but do it better which I can't because it's perfect in the way it is and then we've got like Anil Kapoor like a really old old school you know mm. the, the old lines and he is he's a bit like the Gary Oldman of Bollywood so he's got to be in there Right. The thing is, I could literally cast about 100 people in this movie because it's that epic. Spread over right. Spread over seven films. I mean, think about the Harry Potter series. We literally have every English actor that's ever existed at yeah, some point yeah. in their face. And so yeah, I feel true. like it could be, and we, and we get some of the old school Bollywoods that maybe haven't seen the light of day for a while, that mm. they come out and they're, and they're there. And, and everyone's like, oh, look, like when we get the Stanley. Um, cameos in the superhero mm, movies mm. so um which would be great for the whole bollywood um culture and yeah. the watchers and maybe in hollywood and the western world we might not know um but it might be like mm. one of those op- opportunities where we go and see it and like when i see black Pan- went to go and see black panther and i definitely felt like a fish out of water like i mm. i missed some of the references and i loved mm. i'd love to go and see bollywood with a Bollywood film with a bunch of Bollywood lovers and miss yeah. all the references and have them cheer for great things that I wouldn't get and want yeah, to Yeah, because out. then that's the sort of gateway, exactly. It's the gateway to uh-huh. finding out what those things are and then you sort of, yeah. you, you, something else happens to you, you sort of go up a step, don't you? You sort of level yeah. up. So narratively as well, we've had the, 
obviously Western cinema is very, very prevalent. We, we hear small things about uh, Spanish cinema in England and I suppose Japanese narratives with anime and manga are a little bit more mainstream. But actually the idea of the Indian story archetypes and narratives is mm. woefully underplayed here. Mm -hmm. I would love to experience that. Yeah. I, I really like what you said about Fish Out of Water. That would be an amazing experience to sit through yeah. that film. And there's so many rules about it. Like I don't know enough, but when I was in a mm. show, which we, we had to do a lot of... Um, sort of bangra dancing and stuff like that and it was there was there's like bollywood faces there's there's certain faces that you have to pull and you you get cast because of your ability to be able to um manipulate and do these faces well it's a bit like comedia actually there's there's certain mm. characters that always appear in bollywood films like caricatures almost mm. but they have to be that because it's a specific style and so the baddie the baddie always looks at the screen with one eyebrow raised as it zooms in <laughs> on his face but that means something very specific and that's really interesting and i want to know more about it and i hope i haven't just made that up um, but I did hear about it. So, um, and if I have, if I have, we need to make it that, that a thing. Um, so, be, yeah. So, I, I, well, one thing I was going to ask was a lot of these films that are cropping up on Netflix. There was that one with um, Chris Hemsworth recently that went on Netflix. It's all set in India. And, right. you know, but it's an Asian funded film, but getting Western actors in. So would, would this maybe, would this film maybe pull on, you know, you've got a, a huge um, expansive sort of Asian actors that work in, in Hollywood currently, would they try and... So, I mean, I like, I, I like the idea that happened. I mean, with the story we've created, it was a Bollywood film that then got dragged over um, or got remade. Um, so he might be actually dubbing one of the voices, but I don't think there, I don't think we would see intrinsically Western actors in the, in the thing. I think that's the beauty of this. Like Johnny was saying, this becomes yeah, yeah. A, a culture awakening Yeah, because we do, we, we kind of think as Bollywood as kind of a joke over here. Um, mm. And it's sometimes, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's high grossing. Like it turns mm. over some good monies and mm. it is really popular. And uh, honestly, I'm going to say it again, go watch Bahubali. And then <laughs> I am going to watch that yeah. this weekend because yeah. uh, I think you're right that the way it, it can be seen or derided slightly, but then, you know, we, the other half of our culture being British is we come from a country that invented Morris dancing. So, <laughs> yeah. On what moral high ground are we making these judgments that Bollywood so, isn't good enough? What I found interesting was I watched this with a group of people and we watched it just, I don't know why I found, I found it when we were watching it. I was on a show we were watching after a show and um and they were they were falling on the floor about how ridiculous it was that this man like leapt up a a um waterfall like climbing one hand by one hand in the most mm. amazing thing and and they're all laughing about how silly it was and i went i mean we all went to see thor ragnarok right mm. and oh, there's incredible yeah mm. but no one laughs in a superhero movie when yeah. someone flies 500 yeah. foot in the air, calls down lightning and blasts everyone yes, else. But they're, they're, they're um, hammer. hammer fast enough yeah. to make them fly. That's but an Indian guy climbing yeah. faster than faster than a normal person up a waterfall yeah. is hilarious. Mm. And, and I found that amusing. Like, I thought that was quite interesting. So I'd love yeah. that. Yeah, I think those culture shocks, I think it's important. I think it's an early part of developing and sort of understanding where another, you know, because you sort of don't know what these things mean. Why would people find this entertaining in a different way to me? But then you then it sort of opens a gateway for you, right? I mean, I, I definitely think that... Um, 
I said, yeah, people can sort of do, people will sort of laugh at first, but then they'll, they'll, some parallels will start to be drawn, you know, and I'll start to think, oh, hold on a minute. I'd much rather watch Bahubali than watch the, the third film in the Fifty Shades of Grey series, you know, or a Twilight film. <laughs> or the first film. one. Yeah. Or the or, first one. Or any Twilight, yeah. But yeah, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. I love, um, I, I was actually quite struck, so was my fiance actually, was quite struck by the death of um, Irfan Khan. I don't know how to pronounce, I, I mean, I should know how to pronounce Asian names better. Um, but I, I just, because first of all, I think Asian actors have a register or a range in their voice when they speak that is just, and, and the male actors particularly, I know, I know this is an unusual thing to say, but they exude I wouldn't, okay, you have to help me here because it's not a sexiness necessarily, but they exude something in their, in their voice that is, it's like... Je ne sais quoi. It is, yeah. <laughs> or whatever the, if only I knew the Urdu equivalent of that, you know, <laughs> the Hindi equivalent. Um, but there's something It's like a broodiness, of, isn't it? Yeah, it's a broodiness. It's something very primal, you know, like the Asian voice is, can be incredibly sultry. And like, and as an actor, he's he's got those you know those beautiful big eyes and everything. And like, he was been, he was in Life of Pi, sort of most popularly in the West. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then I went to see him because my fiance loves puzzles, um, <laughs> so I took a see from Puzzle. Um, and he died. He died in um, uh, on a, in April this year. Um, and so it's like, and I actually felt something. I didn't feel much when other actors passed away, but you feel I don't know. There's something about Asian actors that like really can let you into their soul. I know that's a really silly sort of obvious cliche thing to say, but then that's what Bollywood is, isn't it? It's a big open sort of raw emotional experience. And so for some people mm. at first, that is something to, to be scoffed at, particularly the repressed English people that we are. Um, but then, you, yeah, you push past that and there's a real sort of honesty there, I think is part yeah. of what I'm getting to. Do you think that might be because uh, obviously India is such a large subcontinent and it's got so many different cultures and languages and peoples there that uh, if we look at some other Eastern Asian languages, I mean, I know almost nothing about this, so I'm just guessing here, <laughs> that uh, they have, it, you're right when you talk about the tone, that it's not just the way you say something, but the mm. intonation with which you mm. say it can change the meaning. Mm. And because they are famously playing to, as Dan said, huge audiences, yeah they have to be able to speak in a way that uh, can melodically represent emotions across different cultures on the continent. So perhaps that gives them something that the way mm -hmm. Western languages are um, far more limited. We don't need to worry about our tonal representation of the word as long as we get the word right. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I think that's, that's why we end up bursting out into song and dance is because that is universal. Johnny, I'd love to hear your idea for Songbirds of Jupiter. Okay, well, mine feels drastically underprepared having just heard Dan's now. It's not quite a love letter to cinema. Um, I was a little bit worried at first when he mentions this sort of possible Roman crossover because I heard the word Jupiter and the other part of my heritage being Anglo-Italian. I was instantly right on that, like, this is it, I'm leaning really into this. So I'm going to kind of walk you through the plot. I've got a vague outline and I'm going to introduce actors as we go. Okay. Now, what I will say up front about this is this is the exact kind of film I want to see. Mm -hmm. uh, and right. consequently, I already know it's going to be a flop. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's the exact kind of film that will have no character names 
and will confuse 99% of everyone, mm-hmm. uh, except for those glorious elites like ourselves who will pretend to understand it. <laughs> so uh, the film opens with a slightly John Wick looking Keanu Reeves okay. guiding a, a slightly older, bearded, long haired James Callis. Okay, yeah. Yeah, okay. absolutely. Uh, of Baltar from yeah, BSG. Yeah, we mentioned BSG a... in the last episode, actually, but yeah. Oh, handy. <laughs> uh, to a dingy looking club in the rain in a unspecified city, but it's dark, it's miserable. They go into this club and uh, Ian McKellen mm-hmm. is playing piano. Okay. Okay. So, oh, and I, uh, you can they... stop there. I want it. <laughs> that's great also how did they get ian mckellen i mean that's what i want this is oh, amazing. just you wait okay. i mean this okay. is a bit mad okay. okay so um james callis is the main character as i said no one has any names so for the moment i'm going to call him the man mm-hmm. and i'll refer to everyone else's their actors names where appropriate mm-hmm. so uh, keanu reeves turns around to the man and says he's here just wait till he gets off stage uh the man waits and goes to talk to ian mckellen and he says, I, I've come, and uh, Ian McKellen cuts him off and says, you've come to ask me a favour, I know, many do. I will give you what you seek, but first, you must help each of my daughters. And mm. uh, this, uh, the first daughter then appears and he says, if you do whatever they ask and help all five, I will grant your, your request. Mm-hmm. Until then, do not tell me what it is. He agrees, and uh, Marion Cotillard walks mm-hmm. over. Great uh, cast. Absolutely. And she leads, uh, they, she says, come with me. And they walk down the street at night in the rain. They have this conversation about um, what he wants. And he says, I'm trying to get home. I need to get back to my wife, my kids. They need me. And uh, then they go to this rundown apartment building where homeless people in the hallways are malnourished, mm-hmm. they're a bit starving. He's got to sit there and watch uh, as they kind of go into this family room and they sort of helping counsel this family through grief of someone dying and uh, they both have to explain to the small boy what death is and how they they've lost Mm. um their loved one uh and it's kind of making him really complicit in this explanation to this boy of what death actually means as they sort of leave this apartment he rages at her that that's ridiculously unfair. They didn't need to be that cruel to the boy. You know, why were they doing this? And she sort of asks him why he finds death so frightening when it's completely natural. Yeah. Uh, but she thanks him and says, it's, uh, I'll hand you over to my sister. And sort of they go outside and out there looking like a cross between a weekend at a festival mm-hmm. uh, meeting... Uh, Tim Burton goth smoking a cigarette is Emily Browning. Yes. Good choice. Of uh, American Gods for me that would be the absolute go-to for this. Mm -hmm. Uh, She goes, right, go help my sister. And Marion Cotillard goes. So he goes with um, Emily Browning and they go to watch a live band at a dingy club that she just talks her way into. And she's sort of a a bit petty, childish, quite kind of sweet, but that kind of goes quite quickly. She starts pressuring him to take drugs in this club. Mm. And he says, no, 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 I'm not doing this. That's not what I do. I've just got to get home. I'm just going to help you. I'll do whatever you want. And she says, well, I want you to do the drugs. If you don't do the drugs, I'm going to tell dad that you didn't help. 
So he takes these hallucinogenic drugs and basically the club turns into a horrific trip. Horrors, mm. demons, people laughing at him. Uh, all the time she's sort of dancing around him. She's been like, isn't this great? Isn't this brilliant? As he's just having this horrific mm. nightmare. Mm. Uh, it eventually wears off and she leads him back out of the club. And he's sort of in this recovery mode, kind of trying to retching and feeling awful. And she leads him uh, down to a river where she sort of splashes him with a bit of water and hands him over to the third daughter, who is Melissa Fumero. Nice. <laughs> Yeah. Just lining them up. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah. A lot of the I cast these people first. Actually, the daughters. I, I kind of built the film around. Is it, is yeah, it because sure. this is your five people, Johnny? That if you get the opportunity out of your marriage to to sleep with, is that <laughs> yeah. why this is your the wife five? gives you five people to sleep with, and you've listed them out. Laminated. How? <laughs> hey, <laughs> something so crass <laughs> and accurate. <laughs> uh, no, I actually just genuinely because I think these are obviously wonderful yeah. actors and their personalities really suit. Mm. The fact they happen to be ridiculously attractive is a wonderful byproduct. <laughs> uh, so he hands over to daughter three, and Melissa Fumero is waiting for a, for a ferry. Mm-hmm. So they get on this ferry together, and he opens up about his life and the experiences, how he's worked hard, he's never really very happy. Um, he he always realizes that he, you know he loves his wife and kids, but he could have done more with his life, and he's really frustrated. She points out all the people on the riverbank and the rest of the people on the ferry, and says, you know, they're all mindless. This is how people live. They don't really think about what they can achieve until it's too late. Um, and the, so their time together is just this quite placid, contemplative boat journey. Mm. Uh, at the end, they get off the docks, and she says, oh, "I must introduce you to my uncle, who is." Patrick Stewart. Oh, what? <laughs> Ian McKellen and Patrick Stewart. Jeez, oh, I love yeah. it. Like headlined as the return, you know, of, yeah, I love of it. Professor Absolutely. X and Magneto. Saying you've, uh, oh, I and he's a little bit more jovial than Ian McKellen. He says, oh, I see. So you made a request of my brother. Oh, everyone does this. So I see you've been roped into helping the girls. And he sort of intimates that uh, daughter four is where almost everyone gives up. Right. Door towards the nightmare daughter. And uh, so you're then led up to this wonderful house, sort of mansion on a hill, still very, this is kind of all happening over the course of one night. So it's fairly early hours of the morning and we meet daughter four, who is um, gothy sex on legs, I wrote on my notes. (laughs) Uh, What a surprise. And when I say, (laughs) yeah, my type. And when I say who it is, it might shock you. I bet this was very, very deliberate casting. Alison Brie. Okay, I get no, it. But she's no, got some it. range. That, that yeah, woman, yeah. That, yeah, as an actress, she's got some range. She has, but I think what she's amazing at is that sweetness and light. And when you meet her, she's sweet, she's light, she's charming. Uh, I don't want to say kind of manic pixie girl <laughs> thinks that's a trope, but but sort of leaning into that trope on purpose. Mm. And she says, "Oh, I just need some help with my chores. Come up, come up and help me. I've got an apartment upstairs." And so they go up to her apartment and it's all painted red with weird artifacts and large open fireplace. And, you know, one thing leads to another, she attempts seducing him. Mm-hmm. And he's really like, like no, 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 I'm married. Uh, and she says, do you want me to tell my dad that you failed? Mm-hmm. This is where everyone fails. Can you not do this? And he sort of starts going along with it because he just he's thinking of his wife. Um, and as it kind of starts, before we actually get to anything illicit, it sort of goes weird and she starts mentioning things instead of sexy talk things like 
I know that you killed your neighbour's cat when you were seven. I mean, that, that's like, still what? sexy talk for me, but... Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but to cat. each their own, Master <laughs> Scott. And uh, he st- she starts bringing up all his secrets. Right. Uh, and what should be kind of quite playful foreplay mm. turns to cruelty, scratches, whips, um, not in a sexy way, mm. but just in a, a quite torturous way. And uh, he's in the state of being kept uh, kind of semi-aroused, but completely tortured all the way through. Mm. And it's literally hellish. He's sobbing, saying, why are you doing this? Uh, please let me go. And then she turns around and says, you, you can't leave. You belong to me now. You deserve this. Uh, and this bit of the film's going to be really uncomfortable. The energy is supposed to be uncomfortable mm, here. Because yeah. um, he actually somehow, plot hole, pushes her off, <laughs> gets out. He kind of flings through the final door and a uh, blinding white light. And then he's standing in a field. And Gal Gadot mm-hmm. is on a picnic blanket. Of course she is. This is, this is definitely John. This is exactly where I would like Gal Gadot if she's, if she's, um, if she's amenable. <laughs> I would like her on a picnic blanket if that's okay. Absolutely, like lovely picnic. He's at this point feeling really sketchy. This night has not gone how he's expected. She says, please, please sit, eat with me. And um, it's perfect. Mm -hmm. It's just this lovely picnic and they're talking. And as they talk, he just feels all the weight of the world falling off of him. He feels at peace. Mm. He thinks he's a trick. And he kind of says, you know, look, I want to see your dad. If this isn't a trick, let me see your dad. And she says, well, of course, you're free to leave anytime you like and can reaches her hands and then the camera pans and we see a um, Italian villa style building with just a table outside, a bottle of wine, two glasses mm. and Ian McKellen <laughs> sat there. And so he goes and sits down in and pours him a drink, uh, this Tuscan landscape, the sea in the background. Very well, uh, well done for surviving. What would you ask of mm. me? I want to go home. Do you? Yes, I need to get back to my family. But you already said goodbye to them earlier. And then we kind of flash back to everything he's done. Mm. uh, And we realise that what this film is, he has died. And these are the five stages of the Roman underworld. Mm. The songbirds of Jupiter are Jupiter's messengers. And each of the women represent a stage of the underworld through which the soul must pass. Mm -hmm. And the end of the film is him sat there and he says, you have passed my test you are free to do what you like. And he, so he kind of sees Gal Gadot, he seals Elysium, he sees everything he's gone through. And he says, knowing that you can go, but you will have to do all of this again. You'll have to pick up your burdens. You'll have to take up the ugly pains. And the last line of the film, it kind of just cuts to his, uh, I think, to Ian McKellen close up and says, so what's your choice? Mm. And then the screen goes black. Nice, mm. I like it. Okay. Um, nice. It's obviously written by the only person who could write this and not make um, sort of overly sexualise the women in a, in a crass way. Don't say Zach I think Snyder. Is. Don't say that. No, I'm going to say Neil Gaiman. Oh, okay. okay. I yeah. think yeah. he does, um, I think he, he writes sort of quirky women in a way that doesn't just hypersexualize mm. them, actually makes them interesting, deep characters. Sure. But can use sexuality as a, a realistic facet of their personality sure, sure. rather than something to kind of throw to the sure, male gaze. Sure. Um, it's definitely directed by Darren Aronofsky, because yeah. literally who else could handle yeah, this? Yeah. Um, and the soundtrack <laughs> is by Jessica Curry. Yes. Because I think she does plaintive uh, things. Everyone kind of says, oh, this is the new Fountain, the new Donnie yeah, Darko. Yeah, sure, sure. 
Yes, that's um, perfect. Like, the sort of film that we would have discussed, you know, if, you know, when we were young, when it first came out, like, as if we were the only two people in the world that understood it. Like we all watched Sucker Punch and was like, it's the best thing I've yeah. ever seen because it's like all of the things I love like smashed subversion. One. Like the reason why they're so like hot and sexy all the time and there's nothing to the plot and they're all used is it's a, it's on purpose. It's a message. It's the point of the film. But yeah, Absolutely. I love it. I love it. That's, that's, but I like that you're elevating it above Sucker Punch. You're, you're taking this idea that can actually be something seen as quite crass, or rather Johnny perhaps dealing with his seven evil ex-girlfriends. Um, <laughs> but it can be seen as that, perhaps. Maybe I can draw I have parallels. have no idea what you mean. <laughs> I'm going to write a list of, for, for in the description, I'm going to write a list of all Johnny's exes <laughs> and how they relate to each one. Um, there's, no, there's not enough time. It could have seemed like that. But yeah, I think with the with the Neil Gaiman, Darren Aronofsky, which, by the way, are an absolutely perfect match, yeah. like absolutely superb. Um, I think it's like Aronofsky's return to form or something, let's say, because, you know, I love The Fountain. I really genuinely did. And I think it's a film. Me too. Like, and it's a film where regardless of, and again, it's another film, actually, we were talking about just recently films where um, you have a feeling where you want to laugh you know it shows eastern philosophy and it shows raw sort of um, emotion in in a man and it sort of jars something in you the fountain doesn't it it's what makes you want to laugh at it, it makes you want to feel like oh god this is so uncomfortable i want to, i find it unusual um but yeah i think push past that and there is something quite sort of uh emotional in there so yeah i like i like that you can take this idea that yeah would get 39 percent on rotten tomatoes but a couple of key reviewers, if you agree with this, Johnny, of course, a couple of key reviewers like, you know, Roger Ebert's site or, you know, Mark Komodo or whatever would give it a full full five stars, you know? I think it'd be a film that in 30 years people look back on and say it's a classic, <laughs> but it would not, uh, yeah, it would not initially be received well. Mm. I mean, I think because when I was... Teenage boys would become critics in <laughs> 20 years' time and look back on it and go, it was a classic. Absolutely. But I think it's interesting because we see we were talking about cultures earlier and we say we see a lot of the um, heaven, hell, dying trope and the the Christian trope or the monotheism Mm. tropes of dealing with the afterlife. I love the idea of I mean, obviously, Roman mythology is essentially Greek mythology Mm. and how, you know, the third daughter represents sticks. um, You've got hell um, or Tartarus before you eventually reach Elysium. And that the, the, they represent these personalities and it's a different way of dealing with his own grief because mm. it, it sort of makes the film rewatchable for me. Because the first time you're watching it going, oh, what the hell's going on? But then someone actually far more intelligent than myself would explain it to me and I'd rewatch it and go, oh, I understand mm. now. Mm. And I sort of like films <laughs> that work on that multi-watch approach. Yeah, I get that, totally. Yeah, or something where afterwards you can actually, you go, okay, something spoke to me, but I'm confused. Let me go and seek out other people's reactions to it and let me find out uh, some of the bits I missed. And, and then you, yeah, I mean, Jesus, we're, we're talking about lots of enlightenment in this episode, but then you come out of it enlightened, don't you? You sort of, yeah, you appreciate it with a new light. And then it gives it rewatchability, which I could argue uh, we haven't actually thought about with any of the films we've been going through, really. I think this is... You know, we haven't come at it from a focus of rewatchability, which I think yeah. is quite important, you know, in the day and age of streaming and stuff. Plus Keanu Reeves as death. I mean, right. Yeah. Because that's death escorts him to meet the king of the gods and then the whole thing begins. I, mean, like, just I just perfect. love the idea of Keanu Reeves as death. Yeah. But can I just say this was so much better than uh, my first idea, mm. uh, which had been because I basically I'm not going to lie. I started uh, Songbirds of Jupiter with like, who are the songbirds? They're going to be messengers. So it's got to be daughters brilliant mm. and then kind of started the female cast my first idea had been 
um, to go as cheesy as possible. Jupiter's back and he's pissed. <laughs> so he sends down five avenging yeah. <laughs> daughters to uh, wipe out the human civilization that has spread over the solar system. And it was going to be so facile that, of course, they're going to invade the planet that's home to most human species at that point, Uranus. Um, <laughs> and it would have just been uh, slightly, um, like, chonky, cheesy yeah. superhero, five avenging angels, uh, all just cheesy one-liners, just destroying humanity on a planet. Yeah, like the director of <laughs> The Crow did ev- eventually did that one, uh, Gods of Egypt, didn't he? And that was sort of, yes. that was just... Oh, that was so bad. Until, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, it was almost... But this would be worse than that. Yeah. <laughs> I almost wish you'd pitch that one. But no, I, I appreciate that, Johnny. Thank you for giving us your pitch for that idea. I think it was, I think it's genuinely interesting. Um, have you thought Thank about you how it would be received in terms of um, trailers or, or posters or any of the marketing? Or how would you... Because you've got to market it to get the teenage boys in there, but you don't want to trick them into thinking it's, you know, they're looking for a sucker punch, but actually they're getting something, you know. I think baffling. I think it's sold uh, completely wrong because I think initially a lot of people who make trailers often mm. do exactly that. They're marketing. So actually, I think it's sort of sold on the sexiness of these five women. And, uh, you know, is this guy going to cheat on his wife? Is it some kind of filthy night out? Mm. And then actually it's this really deep introspective movie that's about the nature of life and death mm. and what do things mean? And so the trailer is probably what makes it flop because... Uh, it was not marketed to the right kind of people. Mm. They were banking on the teenage boy buck when actually this is a movie that any intelligent human being could love. Is the poster just Songbirds of Jupiter, but the lettering is made out of all of the actresses in various shapes? Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Yeah, that's fantastic. Which is something Game and Anna Aronofsky both said we don't want. Absolutely we don't. want yeah. this to be really down the line. Mm-hmm. Our marketing just completely overruled them. Yeah, of course. <laughs> and I like, because you recommended a film to me a long time ago called Ink. And then what happened is I didn't take you seriously or listen to you, so then you bought it for me. And and then, <laughs> to, which is what I do often, you know, to encourage people I, I care about to watch the things I love. Um, and it, it's got the flavour of ink, definitely. Like, not, not, not fully. I mean, it's not similar in many ways, but the flavour of something. But then you've taken the sort of some of the elements of ink and given it, you know, a $150 million budget or something to, in order to cut yes. all of your actors in it, which I, which I like. Um, and I love that you haven't limited yourself with budget or imagination. Oh, no. Well, why would you? I think this is the exact kind of film that actually could do with a, a blockbuster budget to really put... I mean, these actors themselves, or every single one of them is gold dust. Put them together. Who doesn't just want to watch McKellen and Stewart? <laughs> but I sort of like the fact that they never meet in the film as well. So you spend the entire mm. film... Maybe the trailer's cut so it looks like they <laughs> yeah. have this big scene yeah. together. Yeah, of course it is. <laughs> but they never yeah. do. So at this point, before we hear uh, our dupes idea, uh, Ryan's our dupe for this episode, um, I'll let you know why I'll be picking a winner at the end of this episode. Um, At the end of the season, we'll have a short list of winning ideas and those ideas will duke it out uh, in the semi-finals. And then you guys, as the audience, you will vote on the eventual winner. Now, the overall winning idea will be made into a proper trailer for a movie or TV show. So we're not going to make a movie or TV show that's ludicrous, especially not on these ideas. But we will be making a trailer based on that idea. So, I mean, really, there are no losers. 
um, because you're really winners. As I always say, the fact that you haven't been picked is probably better. Then your idea lives on in Slash Dupe <laughs> and doesn't have to be immortalized, you know, on YouTube forever. Um, so, yeah, so I, I'm really excited about today's ideas and I'm looking forward to yours, Ryan, uh, your dupe idea for Songbirds of Jupiter. Thank you, Sean. I'm going to have to admit, this is the first one that took me a little bit, sort of, it hit me for six initially because it's such a an odd title um you know i'm sure when, when i've done my pitch we'll get to know where you where you came up with this idea from like what the origins of this idea was um and you know i think for the for the listeners out there wondering how i do it it's quite tough to because i could be writing a bunch of ideas and then the second pitch could be uh, you know i started writing about the roman gods and then the second pitch coming out from johnny was about that and i had to, I had to scrap that through so mm. i've sort of gone for one something that we haven't maybe done on here yet um this is a film about airship racing. Love it. Don't see enough of that, I think, in in sort of uh, film. You know, I think mm -hmm. the closest thing we had to it was Treasure Treasure Island, like the sort of the and Disney animated yeah. one where they sort of have the cool like solar ships and stuff like that. So, and I want this film to sort of feel like it's an airship racing film, part heist, part adventure, um, sort of like Tintin in the Secret of the Unicorn. You know, that sort of title. But then, and the title would be Songbirds of Jupiter. So the idea would be we centered around airship racing, and each airship uses a crystal um, that they put in the middle of their ship, and you know different crystals you know power mm -hmm. differently. Sort of like the way that and conglomerates are in on this, right? Sort of like the way F one is. So if you've got the money to build a bigger and better car, like back in the day, you could have like four or five cars because you had the money to do it and the smaller teams you know they had to really push through their sponsors and so that's what the sort of idea from this so we we center around this sort of like privately funded like small privately funded team but they're just not able to you know they keep entering races and like the our pilot you know she's she's really like cracking absolutely cracking pilot you know she knows mm -hmm. it but she just hasn't got the just hasn't got the hardware to do it and um, I'm going to do a Johnny now and sort of say a couple of actors as we go through, but I just had this great idea as they're in the sort of, it would basically be the main, the main girl, she'd probably have a like big bumbling, uh, idiot friend, mm -hmm. probably eats all the time. A James Corden type. A James Corden type. Yeah. Perfect. James Corden would be a great cast for this. <laughs> An insufferable, um, annoying yeah. twat type. <laughs> I like him. I know you don't like him. Clearly the Sean's That's he's aggressiveness like your... towards him. Yeah, because he's he... your touchstone, isn't it? your life model. <laughs> and he, so, so they, um, they're in the sort of the, I can't think of the word for it, pit, the pits for the airship racing. Mm. And is that on the ground? Or did I think it would, stay... it would sort of, they, the ships would be in the air and the, all the teams are on the ground. So the right. sort of, they let the, so you'd have like above the pit. Maybe when they the climb the, like the rope to get up there is when, the, the person on the, I don't know what era this is in, but on the microphone, the sort of steampunk microphone, announces who they are as they climb and they wave from the yeah. ladder, you know, swinging in well, the Well, it would be up. it would be different. So the rich teams have an elevator. Of course mm, they do, course they you do. know, and they have all that sort of stuff. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, these guys have to climb. But they speak to an old mechanic bloke uh, who's going to be Tom Waits. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Nice. <laughs> That's brilliant. Costume. And he tells them about, about, the songbird of jupiter mm -hmm. and it the songbird of jupiter was this ship that you know they they were privately funded they came out of nowhere they wouldn't do any interviews but it would it was called the songbird because it would basically sing on the winds as it flew mm. and that's 
and it was winning, you know, winning everything. And it was these people that they'd never seen before. And you tell a story about how um, the ship got raided one time and disappeared over the ocean and, you know, no one saw them or where it came from and all that sort of stuff. So they get interested in it and they try and want to figure out, you know, where it is. They get the maps out and they start to sort of look for the mm. ideas. And they find out that the wreckage of the songbird is, um, is owned by this private collector. So then they try and like break in break it so like clearly the james corden type is like you know they're good with the computers as well so tries to like hack them in guide them in gets them in there and they get into the collector's place obviously get caught um but they explain about it mm. and what the one says yeah i've got the i've got oscar isaacs as the collector yeah good cast oscar isaac Love and he nice. would and he's sort yeah. of like you know he's sort of acting a bit weird about this a bit mysterious about this and so he he and then maybe the kids say something that he'd never heard of in his collection and so they you know work with it together they explore it with him and they go and try and find where the sort of where this crystal was because they know it was powered by a crystal but they don't know how or what or why um i think at the same time this is where the third person on the ship who i haven't figured out let's call him the snake <laughs> right he runs off and tells the conglomerates you know because he's sick of losing and he wants to be on the winning team or maybe he was maybe he's the co-pilot actually you know he wants the chance to do it uh real like foppish good looking guy so that's why they're now getting chased by the conglomerate company sort of a bit speed racery in fact you know it's the sort of the small person up against the big guys mm, mm. um and having this sort of uh, I, I haven't exactly figured out what to do maybe they i, I watched uh there's a really I watched Fool's Gold recently. I haven't seen it. It's the one with Matthew McConaughey, where oh, he's like, right. a, well, it, it, to, to tell everybody the truth, I'd forgotten that Sahara was called Sahara. Yeah. I thought it was called Fool's Gold. Yeah, so I, I put I Fool's Sahara Gold on. more of a touchstone, maybe. Yeah. So I put, I, put, I put Fool's Gold on thinking it was Sahara, and it wasn't. Oh, when did they get into the desert? Yeah. yeah. And I was like, wait, where's, uh, whatever his name is, like, who, who, who played Sunny? Um, God, I don't remember who was in that film. Uh, and and I, so I was like, oh, I watched it. But what was quite cool is they in that film they hide the treasure in one of those like pr um, pressure like bl a blowhole, right? Mm. So it's really difficult to get into it because the water pressure basically hits you against the rocks. Mm. So something like that, something cool. They hide the rock is the crystal was hidden in a certain place. Um, in the sort of googling I was doing, um, I like the idea of a yellow sapphire is considered to be the stone linked to or the the gem linked to Jupiter. Mm -hmm. So that's what they find. And they find the stone that powered the songbird of Jupiter. And so they get it and they, they're like, right, you know, we can rush back. We can get back. And so, they, you know, she's, as you said, she's climbing up the airship. You know, old, old ex-co-pilots in like the really fancy one, you know, he's got it. And they like go to put the crystal in to the ship and it doesn't work. Mm. And they're like, oh, Christ. And like, it's not going to work. Yeah. Oscar Isaacs comes up on the ship as well because, you know, he's always wanted to do it. And then he... He knows the knack, does he? He knows that the the he was like it's not about it's not a pilot um, it's not a pilot piloting a ship it's about the pilot and the ship being one and so he oh. like takes off this thing that he was wearing the whole time which is almost sort of like a, a thing he puts it on the main girl's um, sort of round her neck puts the crystal in it and when she puts her hands on the wheel like the whole ship. I love it. That comes in. So it's like, you know, it. the pilot and the ship must become one. Now, and so my... Oscar Isaacs is now in the ship. And obviously, yeah, they like absolutely neck it. and neck. Beat out the ex-co-pilot, you know, win the race, become the new champions of the songbird. But that's great. I mean, that's great if you want it to be a little bit like, uh, what was that tween uh, film? 
uh, Weta Digital did all the work for it about the roving cities that sort of. Oh, um, Mortal Instruments. Yeah, Mortal Engines. Mortal Engines, yeah. Mortal Instruments. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, sorry, yeah. the name yeah. of the series, yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I think, yeah, if you can go tween with it and you can have that sort of go down that route, but there's something about me that likes the idea of Oscar Isaac being the original captain when it went down. So I think he was. So I think that's what I was getting at. So he pilots it, but she's like the world-class mechanic. She's like, she's... She's the one that builds the ship, loves the ship, knows the ship. She's that sort of role in the team. But they're, so they're, the whole time they're like, you know, maybe one of them is a pilot, but then just not good enough. Oh, and that's why matey boy, foppish boy goes off to yeah, join exactly. another team. The pilot goes off to join another team. Yeah. So, they're looking, like so they're trying, oh, maybe you could be the pilot. And they're not quite good enough, um, but they don't need one because Oscar Isaac. How about this? Like uh, building on that, Sean, mm. what about it's The reason they're not quite good enough as the pilot is because they're, they're too small for the ship. Like the ships are all a, a standard size. Yeah. And I like the idea that when they get to do it, they go to put the jewel in. They're about to go back up their ladder and their ship gets blown up by the um, big conglomerate. Yeah. So what have they got to do? We've got no time. We're down on our luck. We've got to rebuild the songbirds. Oh, yes. So yes. That's where it all comes together. And yeah. so you get them that whistling yeah. sound as it just comes up comes when you up. think it's all over. And that's where she then puts the jewel on. I love that. That's an awesome idea. But she now fits in this new cockpit because it's a bit smaller. It's a bit sleeker. Mm-hmm. And it all comes together. Yeah, yeah that's, that's it. Cool. Cause that's cool. Because the Beautiful. thing is, Johnny, when Ryan was pitching the idea, I'm thinking, you know what? You talk to me about, um, and again, you're going to have to buy it for me like you did with ink, but you talked to me about reading a fantasy book where, the, where metal was a... With some sort of yeah, uh, Mistborn by right. Brandon Sanderson. Right. It's exactly your kind of. So thing. this could be like, could this be like a Brandon Sanderson? Is that his name? Brandon Sanderson sort of new series. You know, when he when he puts Mistborn off to the side while he's waiting to come up with some more ideas, he he works on this and then it spawns from that into an Amazon Prime TV series or something. It's, I think. You know, do you know actually? Would I this seems like his thing. Film. It's too. It's too. It's too happy for Brandon. <laughs> oh right, but, uh, yeah, <laughs> flat out. Was, would there be another fantasy author that you think? Oh, do you know what? This is the sort of stuff they could they could do, and then. Um, yes, we'll edit out the awkward silence as I look at my yeah, bookshelves and scan through. Um, see, I kind of I was getting Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow vibes. Actually, yeah, I was which, really getting that, and I was thinking that that kind of feel. Um, yeah, maybe touch. oh what's her name uh is it uh rebecca something something i can't believe i've forgotten her name who did uh becky chambers uh, who did a small way to a, a long way to a small angry planet yeah so ironically that is a book you did buy for me after talking about it and <laughs> i absolutely loved it i mean it's one of the best books i've ever read genuinely particularly so we have on records tonight on podcasts i've recommended <laughs> two things that sean's put off and he's loved both of them. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't thinking about an Amazon TV series, but actually it would work really well as a sort of TV series. Didn't they do Carnival Row was out recently, wasn't it? Which yeah, has the mystic they, element yeah. and the sort of fantasy element. And as you guys were saying, like a Sky Captain sort of meets steampunk. I mean, mm. Sky Captain's a little bit steampunk anyway, isn't it? Sort of like... Yeah, yeah, yeah it has some elements. Um, it's sort of something else, isn't it? It's sort of, yeah, retro. My only thing with the, with the series is that once you've resurrected the Songbird of Jupiter... Mm-hmm. That's where kind of, go? that's your denouement, isn't it, at the end? Well, so what, where do we go from there? Good point. I think you, uh, oh, well, it's, it's, a, it's a limited series, that's what we'll do. No, it's, <laughs> um, yeah, it's only no, You could definitely do, you know, the sort of where, as you said, the um, the privately owned team, like the people, they didn't um, they didn't know where they came from. So you have another racing league that they sort of would go it to do. Like a or maybe of... it becomes like Worlds. Like if this is like set, let's say, only in the UK, they're now going to go race like 
America, they're going to mm. go race like, you know, those, they'll go to, you know, if, if the, if we are going with, let's say they could adapt the ship to be able to have like solar sails so then they can go outside of the world. Like I would recommend to anyone who's a fan of narrative, I'd recommend the game. You can get it on the phone on your, on your iOS and Android. It's called 80 days. And yes. I think that's got a tone that you, mm-hmm. and, and a world that is just is like ours, but completely different. It's just gone off in a completely different direction. And it's just so... By Inkle Studios. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Who are fantastic. Um, and scored by the wonderful Lawrence Chapman, <laughs> I must Who we're going to get on for, for an episode of, of uh, Slash Jeep at some point. Yeah, I nearly picked him to be uh, the person to score, because actually I would genuinely love him. He's a, he's a fantastic... Effect. I mean, I, I love Heaven's Vault as well. Uh, I would recommend 80 Days is more in keeping with what we're talking about, but his score... Yes. Heaven's Vault is superb as well. It's just it's just beautiful. And it's out now on Spotify. <laughs> <and iTunes>, so <laughs> <laughs> totally plugging. Yeah, yeah. No, he's fantastic. Though. He really the, is. Yeah, I, I, I just, I like the, you know, it's it's family friendly. You know, it's got a bit of action, a bit of danger. But, you know, um, I think that's one of the reasons why I absolutely love um, Speed Racer as well. It has a, mm. similar, a similar thing. And we all love airships. And I don't think we see enough of them. So as I said at the beginning of my pitch, um, and thank, thanks for listening, guys, and contributing, um, where did you come up with this title, Sean? It's such a weird one. Yeah, so I, you'll like this because I thought, um, and this is a little bit of an inside process sometimes. Sometimes I do this, sometimes I don't. But sometimes I think of the guest that we might have on, and I have a whole list of titles. Some of them we've come up with together. Some of them I've come up on my own. Some are suggestions. Um, and I try and match a title with a guest not not (coughs) specifically directly but but what is interesting for me is if i think you know johnny likes sci-fi let me give him a title that sounds like science fiction i'm interested in what he comes up with that's not what i would expect him to come up with so for example um i genuinely just thought of the first science fiction title I thought of some lofty, weird, sort of mixed-up science fiction title that, that lends itself to anything. I mean, it's just nonsense. I just made it up on the spot. That, that's, it's that... very Bioshock. It's, I was going to go super cyberpunk with this one, like Altered Carbon World. Yes. For some well, I think mine, my idea, actually, it's funny you say that. It's not very, uh, cyber, it's not very um, Altered Carbon-y, but it is a cyberpunk idea. So, no, I mean, in this case, the title came before the idea for me. I mean, I just thought, let's give Johnny a sci-fi title. He'll like that. And I'm actually really, really happy that it's, it went fantasy, you know, went in a completely different direction, which is, which is the fun of this podcast. It's, it's the thing about it. But um, for me, I just thought, I, I was recently reading Halo Jones by um, Alan Moore. Basically, it's what Tank Girl, Tank Girl ripped off Halo Jones. It's just, a, it's a cyberpunk I wanted to do a cyberpunk thing on a massive space station and it's an oppressed, monumentally oppressed world and, you know, it's a fascist sort of thing, but it's, but it's huge. It's the size of a planet. Um, Earth's been destroyed and it's set in the future somewhere and Jupiter is the band manager because she's the only one with some get up and go. She's the band manager and she's, she's the band manager and the, the, the front woman of Jupiter and the Songbirds. And the songbirds are her sort of ragtag, <laughs> punky sort of layabout 
not you know do nothing friends who are just like completely awesome and completely talented and kick ass but they don't ever want to do anything so it's just those guys complaining about the state of the world and jupiter being like right i've got what we're doing today girls we're going to sing at this parade and we're going to throw we're going to you know we're going to rally the forces and we're going to screw the government and perhaps it's like something that is based on a serial comic that maybe it's it's each episode is a self-contained thing so there's no overarching plot really there's no sort of they never take down the government or, or, or the regime but every episode they think of a new way jupiter thinks of a new way to sort of overthrow this 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 hideous cyberpunk thing and they do it and have fun so and play their music i've just been watching a lot of cartoons with my little in and we've been watching dc superhero girls and um it's basically all the like super girl bat girl notice they're all girls wonder woman mm. um green lantern and wasp and but but they're done for like kiddies mm. but they're so really well done and they deal with as all the best cartoons do really decent grown-up adult morals that you want mm. to instill in your children yeah but do it through a fun way he just notices that you know supergirls like flies through the air and knocks zod into the but it, there's a whole underlying thing like uh green lantern was stopping a tree being cut down um and stuff like that in the mm. in the center and it sounds just in your pitch there that that would work really well as what is ostensibly a little i've said ostensibly a lot of times in these last uh, <laughs> it's things, a good word it's essentially a a kid's cartoon mm. but has so much for the grown-ups in it and is like bringing in all that kind of anti-establishment but coolness but respect and like there's better to there's more to life than just sitting around yeah i love it you know what i mean yeah, that's like, actually a better idea yeah it's i'm fantastic. sure dan a question to you you know as you're saying these sort of themes that run through um the the, the shows you're watching stuff yeah, yeah. Does, mm. does 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 your little one um ever ask you sort of questions like why you know why yeah. is green lantern saving a tree yeah he does well he he gets that the thing is they're so well written he gets mm. that bit there's some questions he asks like why is so and so doing this or what's that word mean or whatever what is a blah 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 but he tends to get those really well there's one called pj masks which is brilliant um but it's always it's the same trope every time there's three that three of them and they all have slightly different powers and each week one of them decides that their power is the one way to sort everything out and the others go well why don't you let us involve and they're like no i've got this on my own <laughs> and they fail and they <laughs> and the others come along and they always say he always say oh they will say oh i'm so sorry i shouldn't have tried to do this on my mm. own and the others go that's okay you were just excited or we were it was our fault as well we should <laughs> have and then they go and defeat the baddie and do you know what i mean it's like it's got those repeated morals which yeah. sounds like these songbirds would have do you know what i mean like the moral well, you is can sort of, we can do this yeah you sort of go for well maybe more of an ensemble so i would say like definitely jupiter is like the leader but she's a bit mm. of a shredder as a, a bit of a sorry she's a bit of a master splinter as well where she yeah. she's sort of and then i'm getting more of a turtles vibe not not in terms of the tv show but in terms of each songbird has their strength and their weakness yeah one, one does machines one's a cool dude <laughs> One loves pizza. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so you could sort of, yeah, so definitely, I mean, I like the idea of them all being layabouts, but like, but, but, or, or a couple of them, but then that's okay too. It's okay to chill out and be relaxed and, yeah. and, ta and take but a when step they back. Get going, right? Yeah, when they get going, yeah. they're a force to be reckoned with. Com 
completely. Yeah, I think we can. I think you can do that. And there's some wicked, like you know, uh, animations made for kids, and like you know, even even adult animations, or perhaps not adult, but like Batman Beyond and stuff like that. There's some superb, mm-hmm. like deep anime and and the x-men animated tv series so i want that sort of style the sort of animation style of the you know um or even maybe some sort of samurai jack vibes you know i I can't remember the name of the creator of samurai jack but he's fantastic he did the clone wars a couple of seasons of the clone wars as well um well i think the world's been a much darker place since we stopped having count duckula on our screens Bring back Count Duckula. Hashtag bring back Count Duckula. And DuckTales. DuckTales. Um, cartoon. Yeah. Best cartoon um, theme tune of all time. <laughs> Don't at me. So, all from the title Songbirds of Jupiter, we've had uh, three, we've had four very diverse ideas, um, and three of them I'm very, very excited by. Um, we had Dan's idea of bringing, unintentionally at first, but being the film to bring Bollywood to the West and really sort of popularise it by being its own thing. Um, it's, it's, and sort of being this sort of amazing, long-running fantasy, high fantasy series in the vein of Percy Jackson or Harry Potter. And I think I've heard the word behoobly more times than I, <laughs> I mean, it's just become this, 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 uh, I'm going to say it again. Watch it. <laughs> Behoobly. Uh, this sort of idea that brings uh, a new cultural uh, idea into people's minds. It brings a new cultural idea into people's minds and it sort of opens them up and, 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 and lets them experience something new and levels them up. Uh, we've had Johnny's um, beautifully pretentious idea that is ink meets american gods which also you know also has an odyssey like feel to it but more than anything it has keanu reeves's death that's the most important thing to remember i'm sold perfect casting um where somebody needs to save uh these daughters these sirens these these um these figures that represent in their life their burdens and so they can unburden themselves um, something that actually we've not really experienced very much, which is the idea of, of rewatchability, something where you can a film uh, an odyssey, a journey, where afterwards you actually continue the journey. You seek this information online with your peers. You, you find a way to love this unlovable movie together in the little, little corners of the internet. So I, I think that's a fantastic idea. And we've had Ryan's idea, the dupe idea, was... Um, this this grand opulent airship race film with a sort of steampunk vibe which we do not see enough of in films um some sky captain throwback sky captain's a wicked film yeah, like I it's love so it. so I great and speed race as well good. like it's too good isn't it that ending one of the best endings of a film of sky captain it's, yeah. it's a fantastic ending it's almost never been topped like it's just <laughs> it is a perfect ending um, and um, yeah you might say it was the citizen kane of its time <laughs> yeah <laughs> think it was um uh, i mean look it's it's a film where you know it has this 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 small versus big you you have um mystery and intrigue and and you know again another journey i feel like there's lots of journeys in, in the title songbirds of jupiter um and i i have to say it's a fantastic idea um uh, a really close contender ryan i just want to let you know that it's it just it's just on the edge of like because for a dupe 
idea. That's a really, really solid, well-formed idea. And it came out without, you know, Bob Disposal was a great concept and a great initial idea that was then... Are you exploded. building me up to let me down? Yeah, I am. Down. Classic. Yeah, classic. He is. He absolutely is. But at least this time, he said to you, <laughs> it's so close, as opposed to making it out that you were going to win before stabbing you in the heart. <laughs> yeah. I didn't realise last time that I was... I thought you knew by the way I was speaking up that it would be for the old, you know, oh, the old thought. No. Um, but, you know, Bob Disposal came out organically between all of us, but you, your airship idea came out fully formed, and that's something to really be applauded. Um not the winner, but uh, but an incredibly close. But thank you, thank you very much. <laughs> but thank you for your time. Um, and um, you know, Dan, the thing is, us making a trailer for a Bollywood film, it would be racist. Let's be honest. We don't know enough. <laughs> it would just be flat out racist. And we just we just we could do research. <laughs> we could do research. And as much as that would be fun for other people to watch, and as much as the idea is in real life something we actually genuinely need, and. I will. I think all of us will. I will definitely go off and watch as many Bollywood films as I can. I think it'll be okay, Sean. To I know loads of white people who do if... Bollywood dancing, and it's fine. Yeah, weddings. It's not problematic we at all. We just need the answers. I know everybody who do who does the Jai Ho dance. It's <laughs> <Yeah>. okay. <laughs> Look, if you just watch Bahubali, I feel that's my victory. Okay, and uh, that, you've so, already oh, okay, won in it. that case because because I will. Brilliant. Um, so I have to, Johnny. I have to make your idea for Songbirds of Jupiter a winner. It's 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 a. I think that the idea, uh, the idea is great, but the idea of making a trailer for a really pretentious film, the idea of doing that for you, and the and the idea of how happy you would be if we made that for you, um, oh, ridiculous, ridiculous, ridiculous. <laughs> feel like you've laid your dreams out in front of us, and you've been the most. Your pitch was came from the heart and soul more than anything else. Uh, I'm, you, I'm not sure that's the part of the body. <laughs> 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 how dare you Dan I feel so seen and we've had many ideas many pretentious um, many pretentious ideas by accident but never one like you know on purpose and I and I, I and you've got to lean into it haven't you if you're going to be pretentious mean it With that, it just leads me to thank uh, everybody at the table. So, Ryan, thank you very much. Thank you very much, Sean. Uh, Dan, thank you very much. Thank you. And, well, you don't have to say it that angrily. I mean... It's <laughs> <laughs> the outro, I, man. I, I, Come on. You're just, take, you're just taking that the way you want to take it. It's, I was very I've happy. You thank you. I've let you down. Everybody, watch Bahubali. For, for the love of you've God, let, watch You Bahubali. haven't just let me down. You've you've let your entire family down. Is what's happening. <laughs> My entire lineage. Yeah. Um, and thank you, Johnny. Oh, thank you. It's been awesome. Thank you for having me. No worries. Pleasure. Also, check out Earth's Embers, which is Johnny's D and D podcast. Yeah, it was a live action five E uh, let's play featuring a rotating cast of characters, so you can jump on at any point. We're in our, just finished our second season now; that's been uploaded. Naturally, uh, Sean and Ryan are both in season one, which is awesome. That's www.earthsembers.com. Please check it out. Uh, please remember to like and subscribe. Um, you'll do us a favour by commenting um, and giving us your uh, own title ideas or who you think's been stunted or who you prefer to win um, and reviewing and sharing will make the difference those are the things that really make a difference for a, for a podcast that's just starting out to really sort of gain a foothold in in what is undoubtedly during covid a saturated market um, 
but yeah, please, please sort of share and please weigh in on Reddit, um, Twitter, Facebook, anywhere you can. Just, uh, just, just join us. So we need adjudicators to help us weigh in on the winners of each round. And then during the semi-final, it's, it's up to you guys to vote on who you think should be the winner. All right. Thanks, everyone. Cheers. And um, we'll see you in the next one. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Sean. Bye, everyone. Well done, Johnny. Well done. Yeah, well, well done, Johnny. Yeah. <laughs> Robbed again. Oh, you guys. Racist towards your own race. <laughs> That's the worst bit. It's true. I'm the worst. You're a traitor. <laughs> Recorded in the Capo Studios 2020. What's up, danger?